inside of this perfectly wonderful world. Join Deborah E., multi-award winning singer, podcaster, and speaker, the who proves that being diagnosed with a life-changing illness as a child, along with countless hospitalizations and a family who told everyone she'd be dead before she reached puberty, does not have to stand in the way of life. The Diabetic Real Podcast and the content of its websites are presented solely for educational purposes and the views and opinions expressed by guests are theirs alone. They do not necessarily reflect that of the host of the podcast. The content is not intended to substitute for professional medical diagnosis, advice, or treatment, ongoing or otherwise. Be sure to always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your healthcare. Hi there, this is Deborah E. coming back to you for the second episode of Diabetic Real. Thank you for joining us last week. I consider all of you a part of this, and I like to say our and include you. So I feel like to some extent, it's like we're sitting you know, kind of a fireside chat a little bit here, and I'm telling you a story of how everything is unfolding and sort of the next next story here. Because kind of on a, on a first, if you will, last week I told you there was a story to how Diabetic Real actually began, and there's a story to that. So I thought I'd, I would share that part of it, that part of the story with you where Diabetic Real unfolded. Now that you know the podcast exists, you might as well understand where the idea of Diabetic Real came from and what inspired me to go on with that brand, if you will. And, you know, I call it a brand just because it, the thought, it had to have a name. You know, everything's got to have a name. You can't just say it, walk around like that. So anyway, let's, let's back up just a little bit. You can kind of say, I'm looking at my notes here, and I don't normally work from notes. I just kind of ad lib, as you could probably tell listening to me. But if I had to, I'm looking at going, hmm, boobs, elderly people, and governor. Well, that's an interesting way to reference this particular episode. All right, so I was staying with my sister. And for any of you wondering if you're checking details, and it's like, hmm, who's Deborah E's sister? Actually, she is my former, my former husband's sister, but I call her sister. And isn't it about who, you know, who's dear and to our hearts? So as far as I'm concerned, this beautiful woman, she is my sister. But I have such wonderful people in my life and people that I love and people that are dear to me and take such good care of me. And you'll hear about some of these people and some of the stories that I tell as we go through this Diabetic Real podcast. So we have some interesting ones coming up for you in the future. So I'm staying with my sister, and I thought, I'll just go for a walk. You know, walking's good. That's great exercise, right? And this is Southern California. I'm out there, and man, it's beautiful. I'm looking around, taking in the scenery, and I'm thinking, it is a bit warm. Now, here's the thing, and not trying to fault, this isn't about gender or anything, but you could wear a nice sundress be really comfortable and it doesn't matter what gender you are. Hey guys, you want to wear a sundress? Go for it. Even, even my husband has said it's, it's sad if guys are just forced to not wear dresses because dresses look like they might be comfortable, right? But there's this little little problem. If you're a diabetic and you're wearing an insulin pump, and for those of you who are not familiar with an insulin pump, 
It's a little device that actually holds the insulin. And at some point, I'll get into more detail and explain insulin pump in a little bit more detail. But it is a device. It's not like it's something imaginary or out of Star Trek. It actually has to clip onto something or you can put it in your purse or, you know, there's there's different ways to handle it. But my particular insulin pump clips onto something. And the advantage that, not just men, but the men oftentimes are wearing pants, right? So they're going to have something, maybe a belt or at least pants that you can clip um, an insulin pump too. And, and of course, women too. You might be wearing jeans or even shorts or anything. You can you can clip the, the insulin pump too. But if you're wearing a sundress and you're in Southern California and you're just having, you know, you're walking bare, well, you shouldn't walk barefoot. Of course, some would say, you're a diabetic, you shouldn't walk barefoot. But anyway, you don't have anything to clip it to. So what do you clip it to? Anyone have the answer to that one? You clip it to your bra. Well, the thing is, then it wants to tip. You, I'm not saying go bend over, but if you happen to bend over and pick a flower or something, the insulin pump wants to go for a trip to the ground. So what do you do? You clip it to the bra facing towards the body because that is going to have the insulin pump be nice and snug and it's not going anywhere. Well, here's the thing that you don't think of. If you are perspiring a little too much, that means that the insulin pump is actually taking in that perspiration. And of all the things going through my head, I wasn't sitting here going through this if-then statement. Programmer or not, with my software development experience, I wasn't thinking about the insulin pump taking in sweat until I returned home and a few weeks later, the insulin pump that by this point was no longer under warranty went kaputz. It did not work. Long story short on that one, it was because of the perspiration had damaged the pump. I didn't have, you know, under, if I had had medical insurance, it doesn't, it's not about blame. It just would have, I would have had an insulin pump. Wouldn't have been a problem. But I think insulin pumps, so they were only, I don't know, $12,000 or so. And I didn't have $12,000 sitting around. Sometime I'll tell you the story of, of uh, why I was not insured at the point there and why I didn't have $12,000 just laying around at that point there, but I didn't. And at some point too, there's more to that and why I wouldn't have been able to survive without an insulin pump. Anyway, so we were stuck. No insulin pump, no insurance to cover the insulin pump, regardless of blame. So for the, the point of the story, just to make it simpler, we'll just say there's no blame, even though we all know that, yeah, perspiration, whatever. Point is, I had no way to cover this insulin pump. I was looking at a very short life without any way of getting insulin into my body. So we tried different arrangements. We tried it, you know, we, what are they called? ombudsman um, called all different options to try to get some kind of solution for this insulin pump. And I think it was only, um, oh, I don't know, something minor like a few weeks past coverage, um, not under warranty anymore. And I wasn't that, it's not like I was, you know, 
20 years. Well, yeah, like it would be 20 years, but it wasn't that far off of warranty. It wasn't that far um, as far as not having medical insurance. So finally I thought, you know what? I'm just going to call the governor. I mean, what else do you do, right? Just call the governor. So I call up the governor of the state and I say, you know, and I'm not sure who I was talking to, but I did actually get to the governor's office. So, yeah, I know it's probably secretary or aide, whoever it was, I got that far. And I said, here's the deal. Okay. We're looking at death. All right. We don't have enough money to pay for the burial. So basically I'm going to be sitting at, at the curb. I'm just going to pretty much keel over and die. So you'll have to actually pay for the burial. Let's see, how much does that cost? Oh, and oh wait, I won't die right away. It's actually, and I had been sick enough, so I know how it goes as far as when a diabetic dies. It, it takes a few days as far as diabetic ketoacidosis and the whole thing. So I'll get really sick. And that means you have to send out an ambulance. Let's see, how much does that cost? And then I'll actually go to ICU before I die. So I don't know, what is that? $100,000 per day or so forth. So we'll say it probably takes me about three days to die. So that's three $300,000. And since we don't have the money to cover it, that would be the state covering it. So at least $300,000 there and they'll try to keep me alive, but I won't make it. So then I'll die. And then the, the state will have to pay for my, my death and it'll have to go through probate and we'll have, and I was adding up all these and they took it down. And you know what? I had that insulin pump within a week. Somehow, even the $300,000 for ICU, $12,000 just, that didn't, it was like, no problem. Your insulin pump's covered. You put it into financials, and all of a sudden, not a problem, and the insulin pump is covered. Now, I'm not saying go manipulate people. I, I, I don't even know if the tactics were correct, but it's it just, again, the, some of these are topics for a future podcast. But I sat down, I thought, you know, there are probably some elderly people sitting here that are really, really sick. They're much sicker than I am. They're not doing well. They don't have anyone. Maybe maybe their loved ones have passed. Maybe their loved ones aren't talking to them. Maybe they don't have anyone. And who do they call? Who, I mean, I'm almost, literally, I'm almost crying thinking about it. But who do they call to help them? Are they going to call the governor? Are they going to think of all these financials to argue with, with the aide in the governor's office to help them? Who is going to help them to stay alive? Did they do anything? Did they rob a bank? Did they murder anyone? Did they do anything to deserve dying alone in pain? And by the way, Diabetic ketoacidosis, I don't wish that on anyone. I would rather have a bullet in the head. It is one of the most painful experiences ever. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And as I sat there, you know, before that experience, I, it's not that I was suicidal or anything, but I thought maybe it would just be better to die because fighting this and fighting this because... So many times I had been uninsured and fighting the process when I was trying to get a job and I couldn't get a job and just simply fighting to try to have the means to even get the insulin. It was so difficult. 
that I thought, wouldn't it just be easier if I just simply didn't exist anymore? But when I went through that, I thought, wait a minute. What about all these people who don't have anyone? How are they going to survive? And that, my dear friends, is why and where Diabetic Real came from and was born. Because somebody has to be the voice of those who have no voice. And there you have it. Thank you for tuning in. This is Deborah. Deborah E. from Diabetic Real. Thank you for listening to this episode of Diabetic Real. For more information about this podcast, as well as links and fun stuff related to Diabetic Real, visit us on our website at diabeticreal.com. Now we'll listen as Deborah E. herself sings one of her favorite songs. The song is called Perfectly Wonderful World, written by Denny Martin and Jamie Paul, engineered by me, <laughs> of course, your host, Michael, in our Seaside Records studio here in lovely Los Angeles, California. It was on the number one Reverb Nation charts for over a year and still charts very well. So, have a pleasant moment and listen to Perfectly Wonderful World. Yes, I'm living inside of this